Iowa's News Now Sports brings you black and gold glory. Your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks. But the commonality is like, that's football. It just, it, you know, I know I got in trouble saying that in 14, uh, but it is football. You, you just don't know. You can't predict it. And that's why I get such a, I'm so amused with these programs in the summer. Uh, and it's an industry and it's, a, you know, I mean, guys have jobs. That's great. I'm all for the economy. Uh, but, but like, you can't predict the future. You just can't predict it. You just don't know what's going to happen. And that's why we do our show in the fall. Welcome to Eye on the Hawks, our Wednesday preview edition as we look ahead to the battle for the Floyd of Rosedale, Iowa, hosting Minnesota this weekend. Mitch Fick, Owen Sebring, Mike Howell here. Thanks to everybody who's been following from the very, very beginning. And of course, uh, you can continue to Consume everything either through the podcast venue, wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, if you're watching this live on Wednesday, you know we're on the Iowa's News Now YouTube page as well. We'll have all the video highlights, all the show and of uh, all the interview segments from Tuesday media availability. Uh, Iowa's News Now uh, Instagram channel as well. You can plug in there. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Eye on the Hawks. We start, though, with the top story, which is something we already really saw and assumed on Saturday, and boy, we've been in a situation where we've had to see and assume and wait till Tuesday to get confirmation, but next man in continues to be pushed to the limit in Iowa City, Eric All, done for 2023. Looks like his season's over. Uh, you know, we're worried about that on Saturday, and, uh, you know, the test confirmed that, so he's going to miss the rest of the year. It's just really unfortunate, and he's done a, a great job, you know, a newcomer to the team, just a great, great addition, such a Positive guy, hardworking, great personality, and just really loves the game, loves everything about the game, not just the game itself. And, uh, you know, I hate to lose anybody and certainly feel badly for Eric in that regard. He's certainly adding a lot for our football team. And, um, you know, it's just it's a tough deal. So we'll all support him in his recovery, his road back. And, you know, certainly uh, hope all that goes well. The unfortunate thing is misery does love company because now he joins Cade McNamara and Luke Lachey on the sideline, which I guess... You know, we've talked about how lonely the road back from those types of injuries, those long-term injuries can be. I guess the best thing you can say is that at least they have each other to support each other. As you see, again, that injury there to Eric, who not only has been such a, a wonderful piece of the offense throughout his time here in Iowa City, his short time, but great for morale. You, you heard Deacon even talking about him cracking jokes after a, a somber shot like that, and you see him smiling uh, on crutches after the game as well. But he has just been everything you could want out of a, a new experienced addition to the program and more such a fun guy to talk to so philosophical and thoughtful in his answers and well you, ho you hope kind of the same way that Kate is still a leader on the sidelines as well and Luke is still smiling at everything as well uh, on the sidelines and being a leader and a captain still that you hope Eric can can have that kind of impact even as he's uh, on his own road now. Yeah, it's wild that these guys just came in whatever it was, December, January, yeah. and both Cade and Deacon, or excuse me, both Cade and um, Eric made such immediate impacts in the locker room. I yeah. mean, people really love and respect those guys. Cade was a team captain from week one. Um, these are really well-respected guys who know how to lead their teammates and know how to make an impact on and off the field. It's so strange how their parallels have gone so hand-in-hand hand between Cade and Eric in terms of going to Michigan, both doing well, both suffering an injury, didn't get a chance to play last year, both transferring to Iowa, both starters here when they come, and now both suffer lower body injuries that take them out for the rest of the season. Weird how those guys, you know, their journey just continues to go hand-in-hand. Hand. And that... that Saw, uh, the soundbite we heard from Kirk off the top, he was asked about 2004, which I think we talked about a little bit on Sunday of just 
Iowa losing five starting running backs and Sam Brownlee, who got a mention from Kirk uh, mm-hmm. in the in the presser on Tuesday. It's just those are the days. And, and Mike, your thoughts on that? I mean, you know, we were still relatively young going back in 04, but it, it does it feels like that all over again of just, yeah, we hear next man in. And, you know, sometimes that becomes a bit of a a tired trope of like, yeah, sure, you guys, you know, practice that way. And that's the philosophy more so than maybe we've seen since so far. It's it's being put to the test. It definitely reminds you of that just the one position group that just gets decimated when you're coming, talking before the season, like we're like, okay, this might be the deepest position. When you're talking about Steven Stilianos and Addison Ostranga as the third and fourth, that's a pretty good tight end set. Now they're going to have to come in, you know, I don't, Addison still, I don't know if he's going to, you know, when he's going to come back, if it's this week, if it's next week. Um, they have to play one and two, which those guys were NFL tight ends. At least I thought Eric, yeah. you know, coming back from injury, he the way he played Definitely. as a weapon, it seemed to me like he would have at least been picked up for a, you know practice squad at the very least. Um, it's going to be really big shoes to fill uh, on that offense that needed needed a spark. The good news is we'd heard a, a lot in the preseason from Kirk and a lot of other guys that Stilianos in year two with the program was making a lot of strides coming in from Lafayette and certainly a, a veteran just new to the program. And he says uh, he has learned one real key element and philosophy during his time in Iowa City that now he takes in as tight end one at tight end U. Yeah, I think just the daily disciplines, like things aren't going to happen overnight. Uh, Coach Ferentz preaches that all the time. Like, just take it day by day. Even this week, like, they're like, to win on Saturday, we have to win today. We have to go out there at practice, compete, win, and we can't take plays off. Like, yeah, everybody's body's tired. It's, you know, we're coming up with our eighth game without a bye, but, like, that no one cares. Like, we, ha- we have to go out there and play on Saturday. Uh, Steve's a very great guy. Um, you know, you never have to ask him to do anything. He's already doing it. Uh, does whatever he's asked. Um, he's a great route runner. Uh, he's also a f- phenomenal blocker, so I think he brings a level of like that run game. We haven't seen a ton of him, and we do have uh, some highlights. But I know again that the program was high on Stilianos coming into the year. Addison Estrenga has gotten more and more talk. He's been banged up. Sounds like maybe uh, good to be back for Minnesota. That route uh, against Iowa State that was Cade looking for for Addison in the in the end zone there in Ames but this was the that final drive leading up to Max White's touchdown against Western Michigan where it was three shots I believe or two shots one to Stilianos one to Ostrang and then uh, we'll see Stilianos's early shot before uh, Cade was taken out there as well but uh, they've got reps yeah. Stilianos has experience. I mean, that's all you can really ask for at this point, right? As as we're going to hear from from Kirk here in a little bit, they'll take anybody right now. Yeah, unfortunately, just a lot of these guys just don't have a ton. I mean, they have some, but they don't have a ton of meaningful Power Five college football reps. You have Stilianos who's played at Lafayette, an FCS team. You have Hayden Large, who maybe we'll see at tight end a little bit, as we found this week. Um, he played a lot of tight end at the NAIA level, um, and these guys do have snaps with Iowa, but just not a lot of targets. I mean, they just haven't been out there for, you know, a long, meaningful drive, a lot of game action. So um, that's the main thing that does worry me with that tight end spot right now. Um, Because I, I, yeah, as I said on Monday, I just don't quite have the same level of confidence in Stilianos and Pescuzzi as I did with Eric All stepping into that position. So I could be dead wrong and these guys could come out there and really light the world on fire from game one. I'd love to see it. I mean, Steven too seems like a really nice kid who has the best intentions and, you know, it'd be great to keep that Tight end you, 
uh, legacy running with just another guy who's able to step in and prove himself that he deserves an NFL roster spot. But um, they've got to really prove a lot in these coming weeks. It's, it's unknown, but I mean, you mentioned it. Hayden Large, the pride of Hudsonville, Michigan, coming out of Unity Christian High School, played at Dort, was a really good tight end yep. for Dort. And Owen asked Kirk about, does this kid who's really turning into a nice fullback now get some more shots at tight end coming, uh, coming up in the future? No, he's got that flexibility. He certainly, I mean, we're, we're out of guys, so he'll definitely get work there. Um, uh, so he's probably one of the four guys getting work, and he's he's a smart guy, so he can do both. And, um, you know, but they're not like the three guys that weren't playing or were playing, I guess. That's kind of the difference right now. So we're just playing catch-up in that regard. And, and to your point, you know, uh, he played fullback more the other night. You know, we ended up using that personnel group a little bit more than we Probably anticipated. You know, I thought he did a really nice job for that. Was really his first extensive playing out there, and uh, really pleased with what we saw. Yeah, we talked about it on Monday too. He had a key block Hayden did on that that long run for Leishon, which was the the longest run. Uh, Chad Lysko pointed out not just since Tavian Banks in '97, but that's the longest run of the Kirk Ferentz era, 82 yards. That would that would be it, right? Wow. Okay, yeah, that, I hadn't thought about that. That is well. a lot of yards, 82. <laughs> I mean, not minimizing quite that. quite a bit, yeah. It's, uh, it, it's wild to think about. Boy, what a fairy tale and uh, quintessential Iowa story, wouldn't it be, if Hayden Large <laughs> goes off in, in one of these games and all of a sudden your fullback who was a tight end has to get moved back to tight end, this guy who kind of gets overlooked coming out of Dort and all of a sudden he becomes a key contributor and his name's Hayden and he has no ties to Iowa but still has yeah I mean, we, we covered all that back in August uh it, it, it'd be something to be as you heard from Kirk they'll take anybody right now it sounds like we had somebody ask uh, a kind of intriguing question in the comments yeah we had a commenter in in the live stream right now ask a question I also have a question after this but let's get to this first uh, Charles asked like who else is looking for Ragini or another wide receiver subbing in on traditional tight end routes in the Brian Ferentz offense so I don't think he means, you know, lining up as a tight end, but maybe add another receiver and instead of like a tight end running that corner route or, or a drag, it'd be, you know, a receiver being the first target instead of a, a tight end. Yeah. I mean, we saw Ragaini get a few uh, touches on Saturday. He was the guy who broke that streak of no wide receiver catches uh, the uh-huh. previous week. So he got a couple of catches. I'd imagine that his production is going to go up. I could see Vines even. I mean, just because Deontay Vines is, you know, little experience at Iowa, um, and he's got more time that I could see his touches going you got to imagine the Minnesota defense is just going to stack the box. It's going to be one of those low scoring. Each team's going to try and run the yeah. ball. So I feel like you have to try and get it out. We've been saying it every week, but this might be one of those games where there are more receiver routes that are our first targets. Mm-hmm. Um, so my question is, with, this, with all these injuries to Cade, Eric, uh, Luke, and the two running backs who have been in and out, mm-hmm. like – with all the talk about the 325 nationally, and that's kind of like a forgotten story locally, like because I feel like it, it doesn't really matter at this point. Yeah. But does that reshift like your guys' opinion on this offense? You know, it ranks in the bottom on almost every category. You know, do, do you give a little more leeway? I mean, you I think could, you do, but you you can and maybe you could. But I also am like, I was not the only college program that deals with injuries. I mean, guys go out from programs all the time and they're, you know, that program is able to recover. Certainly you do have to give a little bit of grace when it is a guy like Deacon Hill stepping in, um, but especially at the quarterback spot. I think first and foremost, that quarterback position is a big one that like, you know, when there's somebody new that's stepping in, um, you have to give some grace there. But overall, I mean, injuries happen everywhere all the time and, you know, uh, some, Teams are able to recover and they're able to do it. So I, I don't think that, that should be just a total excuse for him. I mean, I, 
my feelings about the 325 thing are pretty yeah pre- yeah pretty yeah. well documented i i kirk has said it and i was reminded of it going back and watching old iowa minnesota games uh ahead of this i don't think they really care about the numbers yeah. truly yeah. and now they're in a position where <laughs> that mindset and philosophy i don't know if it benefits but yeah really now you really don't have to worry about it because you're just trying to find your paths to mm-hmm. to a victory however you can you know we talked about the the lack of power five experience and, and FBS level experience for, for some of the guys in the tight end room. Deacon Hill, I, I think we sometimes look at, well, he was at Wisconsin, so he's got that, you know, missed so much of his final year of high school because of the pandemic. I mean, we're watching him. He's now 11 and a half quarters into his first meaningful football since he was 17, 18 years old. Basically like, a junior a big, in high school. I mean, Big gap. Yeah, yeah. Senior you know, year, he only played a few games, so and, yeah. And we'll talk about a, a little more about that uh, that quarterback room here after the break. But yeah, I think that's something to to keep a, keep in mind. You know, it, we would we love to see 20 extra percentage points on his completion rate? Absolutely. We'd like to see him not overshoot wide receivers, sure. But I think, yeah, and it gets tougher as you get into November and, and you're going into a rivalry game against the Minnesota team that's probably a little better than their 3-3 three and three record. That, yeah, you just have to kind of understand a, a lot of these guys are getting thrown into the fire. It is next man in. You get ready for those situations. Mm-hmm. But you're, you're seeing live ball for the first time either ever at this level or for the first time at any level in a good long while. And, yeah, there's going to be some rough roads. You're going to have some from six for 14s and uh, some scenarios like that. That's just that's the evolution of the game live in it. Uh, totally, totally. I just I just can't help but think, you know, five years down the road, we're going to look at this team with this defense who's been getting better, it seems, which sounds crazy, every yeah. single game, and be like, man, if they just had a, you know, an average offense, this could be a top 10 team. And at this point, you know, six and one Big Ten team probably is only 24th right now. I know I'm thinking about these national storylines when it really doesn't matter but I'm trying to think like what could change you know and I think me personally as a fan with all these injuries I'm not going to think back and say what could have been it's more like wow they overcame so much injury so maybe splitting hairs there on you know a fan's look at the view but that's yeah. just yeah real real quick before we we take a break and then there's a uh, a conversation to have after that too. I was watching that 09 Iowa Minnesota game where Vandenberg's in for for Ricky after he went down, and I forgot that that offense, aside from getting a, a Brandon Wager touchdown where Minnesota blocks the extra point and a couple field goals, like that was a 12 nothing Iowa win that with the yep. backup quarterback. Uh, no tight ends caught a pass in that game. <laughs> by the way, I think I think James went like. Was Tony out that, that game? He might have been. Reisner, I don't know what his, but DJK had seven of 11 completions to him. Uh, and I think Marvin had one and Trey Strauss had three. So it, just, it was one of those where it was, yep, complete less than half your passes. The running game like really was non-existent. I think uh, Adam Robinson had maybe one big mm-hmm. run, but other than that, they were kind of bottled up. But they, they won because they had that defense and the offense just kind of did enough. The Orange Bowl was kind of the same way. They had yeah. a couple big touchdowns. Uh, it was very reminiscent of like Utah State of a couple big drives to open the game and then just kind of like punt, 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 punt. There was a fumble, I think. And then uh, that last it all pass to Reisner almost went for a touchdown. Yeah, so lots of stuff there. Uh, we'll talk more about the offense and uh, a question maybe that's out there. I'm not sure. I've been trying to kind of keep my head in the sand a little bit too, uh, but we'll talk about that after the break. 
Better sleep means better mornings. Start your morning waking up on a Restonic mattress. At Corcoran Furniture, we are Delaware County's largest Restonic mattress dealer. We have great prices on Ashley Furniture and the largest selection of Restonic mattresses. Featuring the marvelous middle, giving you more support where you need it so you can sleep soundly. And it's made for you right here in Iowa. So if it's a crossword, coffee, or the morning news, let Corcoran Furniture help you start your morning off right. Visit Corcoran Furniture in Manchester or shop online at CorcoranFurnitureManchester.com. I think we're gonna have to take Owen to a uh, Corcoran after the show. He <laughs> let out a big. Where we were talking, it's just one of those fall days. We're all a little, uh, a little middle rainy. of the week. Yeah, I'm tired. Stretch. I'm tired. Get some chili. Ooh, can I actually ask a question before we move on? <laughs> Off subject. Sure. Go ahead. Okay, this is kind of a hot take going around the state of Iowa right now. I need you to put those fingers down. <laughs> are you going where? I think you're going. I think I'm going where. Okay. So uh, we are three gentlemen who've lived pretty much 90% of our lives in Iowa. Uh, a little time in Michigan, a little time abroad. I think Mine's been, 100% Iowa. Yeah, 100% Iowa. I don't want to say um, unfortunately, but I wish I would have moved it, somewhere you. for a year or so. It was only within the last few years that I even heard anybody speak of chili with a cinnamon roll. Um, but now it's <laughs> being following pitched. following Chris Hassel on, uh, on social media. <laughs> now it's being pitched as like this Iowa thing, like, oh, you'd understand if you're from Iowa, chili with cinnamon roll. I'm like, I've been in Iowa. I've never heard of this until the last few years. Are you guys familiar we with this? It. Did you we eat had this? it for lunch like yeah, yeah. once once or twice a month in my school district in Fort Dodge. Really? Yeah. I don't know if we ever had them together here. It was a thing that I heard more based out of, I think it's a big Cincinnati thing with maybe like Skyline, uh-huh. right? But I, well, that I, was I, the debate I fully last support week the idea. When Iowa State went to Bring Cincinnati, which one was the better chili? Chili with Cinnamon or or Skyline Chili? That was that That's on, floating was. on the Cyclone side of things. I got you. Mm-hmm. I, I'm... I love them both. Why not bring them together? So I didn't like chili growing up, and now I do. I was a really picky eater. Don't want to talk about it. But so I would <laughs> no, never. Let's, let's table everything. I would always just eat the cinnamon roll. <laughs> yeah, I think it's still weird if you're dipping it. You're in chili. So Some you do eat do them that. separately. Yeah, they're always. You know, the the photo I've been seeing is in the chili, like, like on top of it. Yeah. No, it's always to the side, and you can dip if you want. I feel like you're crazy if you do. It's but weird. Um, you eat it separately. Okay. Yeah, I, it's like I, a dessert I, to your main meal. I see. Okay, that makes more sense to me, I guess, even though I still have never seen those two together until the last few years when it became a Midwest versus everybody meme. I think um, it's just a select school districts actually have, because mine did, and I know, I've been reading on Twitter. like They have school board some, meetings. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Cedar Rapids public schools did, but I know you went to Xavier's, so maybe that was a little different. Mm. I don't know. We had Crispitos. That's all I care about. Yeah, I, I do remember, bougie I, food are you eating over there I Xavier? do remember jokingly asking, I think it was when Matt Nelson was being recruited, um, and I was out of state. But uh, I, because uh, Kirk went to Xavier to to visit or something like that, and I asked, "Are they serving Crispitos today?" And I had somebody like, "Yep, Crispitos." <laughs> like, all right, that's the that's the A food. That's what you that's what you lead with. All right, um, glad we got to that. So, so yeah, on. Um, for those of you that are still with us, uh, thank you. We'll, we'll continue uh, confectionery talks after the break. Uh, after the second break, so Kirk was asked about this yesterday, and it wasn't necessarily about whether or not he's considering a quarterback change, but more about the, the gap between Deacon Hill and Joey Labus. Joey, of course, starts the Music City Bowl, plays fine, uh, had a touchdown on a, on a screen to, to Luke Lachey, but Kirk made sure to put to bed any sort of maybe rumor out there that there is a change being considered with Deacon completing less than 40% of his passes right now. Um, here's Kirk's answer to just about the gap between QB1 and QB2. I'll just say this. I know that discussion floated out there last year, and I think, you know, I hate to say this in a negative way, but I think 
uh, we all saw, you know, when Petrus got knocked out, we saw maybe why we were playing Petrus. And, you know, I went through that discussion last year. I mean, Petrus was our quarterback in 20. It looked pretty good with him playing back there. You know, offense is a team thing. It takes a lot of things to go together to make it work. Defense is the same way. I mean, it's really uh, a lot of intricate things that work together or don't work together, and it's a very delicate thing. So, um, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into it. But, I mean, right now it's, it's clear we have a one and a two and a three, and then we'll, you know, we'll just kind of go through there. And if it the gap closes uh, at some point, you know, we'll go the other way. But uh, I, don't, I don't foresee that right now. I'm, I'm going to start that, that that wildfire, you know, I know. I don't know if that one's out there right now or not. I'm, I'm, I don't really pay attention to what's being said, but like right now, Deacon's our quarterback, I guess is what I'm saying. And I still don't think that it is out there too much. I mean, maybe right. people are sit, talking about it. Maybe you guys have heard it, but I feel like uh, it's, even though Joe Labus did start in the Music City Bowl, it's not like he had like, whoa, you know, he really blew, blew the doors off the he place. He did fine. Yeah. yeah he, I, I didn't know. That's why I kind of th- threw this in the show because I... Like I said, I, I haven't really been paying attention on social media this week trying to be better about that stuff. So I didn't know if that was out there. I also don't know what the reaction was to that because clearly there's a, there's a way you can take that. We've had a quarterback transfer because of comments like that um, before. I argue a couple quarterbacks transfer. Probably. Hmm. Um, I, I guess I didn't take it as the internet probably was able to take it and like, run with it as a as a slight to anybody in terms of what they were i think he was we went, again like kirk said there was a discussion last year and and brian infamously said what's the upside to a change and you know i think last I, year and this year are like completely they, different. they're very different like yeah, I, absolutely. I was one of the ones saying like oh what what the heck like yeah he's not doing much um I mean, Spencer Peters had three years under his belt i feel like yeah. i th- feel like overall people are just like maybe a little bit okay giving Deacon Hill a little bit sure. of a grace period like sure. that and they, Deacon, they know he's new Deacon's made some nice throws I mean like yeah. what opportunity I think it's a lot of just and I don't want to say people I don't think a lot of people were calling from to be benched but when you look at a box score and you see 30 35 yards or 36 yards passing and you're like wow you know this this passing offense didn't do anything last week mm-hmm. you kind of you're like well maybe maybe they should be looking at it but I don't think anyone realistically thinks Oh, I need to see Labus or, or Bench Deacon. Like, I don't think that conversation's and I, going and on. And it was Docterman who was asking the question, and he didn't ask it in a in a tone or any sort of way of like, "Hey, are you thinking?" But I think it was just more like, "Hey, Joey's been hurt for a little while. Just wondering what what that scenario mm-hmm. is if things mm-hmm. really go sideways." And I think Kirk just after a year, almost two years, really hearing that talk constantly about Spencer and Alex. Yep. I think he just kind of wanted to nip that in the bud. Yeah. I don't think, like I said, I, and going back to Deuce and whoever else, I don't think he was ever trying to like disparage anybody. Mm-hmm. I think he was just, you know, it's it's Kirk. He's pretty blunt in his assessments yeah. of things, and sometimes those, if you're listening the wrong way, can come off. Yeah, right. I'd I be think. interesting to see moving forward. I think last week they obviously had a pl- like a um, a you know design that hey, we're going to run this ball. Yeah. And we're not going to, I mean, I don't think they threw a pass in the fourth quarter, correct me if I'm wrong, but we're just going to see if they can stop the run. Mm-hmm. And really, they could. They, there were some times where they could, but, you know, 200 yards rushing shows that they can't. It'd be interesting to see if there was like, okay, Wisconsin, this is probably the biggest game in the Big Ten West. I wonder against Minnesota, Northwestern, if that's going to be the game plan moving forward, is just run it as much as you can. I think Minnesota and I were going to do the same thing, that thing, they're, to each other. 
we'll talk about that too. They are kind of mirror images. Yeah. Like Ferens and Fleck both really have kind of the same philosophies when it comes to that. Also with with Deacon, I mean, you look at Michigan State. He's getting thrown into the fire when Cade goes down. So that's kind of I'm not going to say it's a wash, but it's hey, like get through this how you can, the best you can. Then you've got Purdue, which is his first start, where he's not putting the ball in danger. He's just not putting the ball, in most cases, anywhere near the guy who should have it. And then he goes into a situation in Wisconsin where it's his first road start. It's a place that he knows well, so it's kind of a home start. He loses his main receiver early on, and then it's, okay, like we're going to limit what you do because of, you know, you've been thrown a curveball. And also, we're finding some success in the running game. So it's been, he's had three very strange scenarios to get those first reps in three years. And yeah, we'll, we'll see. Minnesota could be the first opportunity, knock on wood, the first kind of semblance of normalcy he could have in a mm-hmm. football setting because it's going to be start three. He's back home. Maybe the butterflies are out. Uh, and now he's got, unless there's another injury, at least a, a good grasp on who he's going to be throwing to. He was very close to, even though he didn't throw any interceptions, he was very close there's to that two weird interceptions. There's one, yeah. There's one that, like, I think it maybe was first quarter they threw, got deflected up in the air, and it, like, just went off of a Wisconsin guy's yeah. hands, just dropped it. And I think it was fourth quarter when it was, like, it looked like it, I was sure it was intercepted by the defensive lineman, I think. That, um, yeah, was that the oh, like, yeah, one that got batted up? Yeah. yeah. It, and they had to I, review it, and it got On over. the third replay, I thought he caught it, but in yeah. the third replay, it was like, close. Oh, okay. Yeah, they had that back, yeah. But for anyway, sure. So he was he was closer on a couple of them. Well, it's no one else is uh, coming back in terms of injury. Uh, at least the three that we talked to. So Eric All and uh, Luke Lachey. Luke Lachey does sound like could be back for the bowl game. Uh, more confirmation of that from Kirk that he's going to be trying. But uh, we're turning to the injury report now. Like we talked about earlier, Addison Estranga sounds like maybe be again. Anybody healthy, come on, yeah. th- throw on an 80 jersey and uh, we'll take you out there. Jazz Patterson had the one snap against uh, against Wisconsin. Sounds like he's kind of in the same boat, sh- maybe back closer to back than, than Addy. Uh, Y.A. Black, who's somebody we're really keeping an eye on, uh, late in that fourth quarter kind of got maybe um, rolled up on a little bit, had a, a sling on at the end of the game. Basically, it's a, a we'll-see situation there. They really didn't say a whole lot else about that. The only Minnesota guy on the Iowa roster, you know, he would love to be yeah. out there for oh, this big one. time. And then, uh, boy, a couple weeks ago we were talking how Deshaun Lee was kind of categorized as probably not being able to be back this year. Sounds like maybe he's in the mix to um, still coming back from something, but a heck of a lot closer than being out for the year. T.J. Hall sounds like he'll be uh, out, and he was doing a great job on special teams. But, uh, you know, DB depth, we'll we'll see how that goes because you still got uh, Devin Hilson out of Des Moines North there and then uh, a couple other guys as well that are, are going to – need to be stepping up. But boy, it would be great to get Deshaun Lee back. We've uh, waxed poetic about him quite a bit already this yeah, year. Yeah, just, man, injury issues. I, I'm curious to ask, like, because we keep talking about, what is it, the 4 season, the Sam Brownlee season. Um, why is that the season that people kind of go to with running back stuff and not the 2012 season? Because 2012 was 4-8, and eight and they won the Big Ten in 04. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> That's <it>. why. <laughs> they they still enough. had a lot of success. Like, I mean, that, 20, that 2012 was wild. I mean, that yeah. was, and their two Big Ten wins were, Against Minnesota, where they ran a flea flicker to Jordan. I was at the two Big Ten wins. That's mm-hmm. the only reason I remember them so vividly. Um, and then they won in double overtime in a slop fest in East Lansing against Michigan State. And I think that was Kirk's 100th win mm. at Iowa. But that was the same thing of just like, I mean, that was, and Mark Weissman got hurt in that game too. And there was zero, almost no passing game. I think the best play was um, a, a streak to Keenan late in that game uh, to, to set up 
maybe a time feeler or did did something. But I, I think that's why so many people jump to 04 because that's the try to forget 12. Be, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, best I, case scenario. Yeah, I only remember that one because I covered Barkley Hill a lot in high school. Sure, and, and I remember he it was like you know a lot of excitement like hey Barkley Hill's like set to like maybe plays a freshman here. Then he got injured on was it the final. Day or final play it was at Kids of Day. We talked Kids about Day. that uh, when when Cade got hurt. That that's the first time really that there's been a major injury or even any significant injury in, in front of a, a crowd like that. Because I that was right before I moved away. I'd covered that, and mm. that was probably two weeks after I, or before I moved. And watching Barkley Hill go down. Yeah, talk about a guy who just couldn't stay healthy. Yeah, just poor had, kid. didn't he end up as a linebacker at UNI? At UNI at some point? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, our ship uh, our. Focus shifts now from the Hawkeyes and the Panthers for a little bit uh, to Minnesota. Again, the Golden Gophers coming in 3-3, three and 1-2 three, and two in the Big Ten. They have that uh, win over uh, Nebraska in that opener. Yeah, right? which they could have lost. I mean, that game was – Nebraska was in control for most of it. Yeah, yeah and that was the Jeff Sims era there for a little bit. And, uh, boy, Daniel Jackson's toes maybe still low with the, the catch of the year so far in the Big Ten, and then the Gophers have losses to uh, – a couple teams that could be in the playoff in, in Michigan in the conference, at North Carolina in the non-con, and then mm-hmm. also, uh, again, blew that big fourth quarter lead to North uh, to Northwestern in Evans. And we see there, uh, putting up not a whole lot better than the Iowa offense, just under 22 points a game, 10th in the Big Ten. Darius Taylor, and we'll see whether or not he's out there. He's missed the last couple of games, but what a four-game opener for the freshman out of the Detroit area, 532 yards, still one of the best marks in the Big Ten. Uh, again, kind of listed as a game-time decision. He's missed the last few games. It's Minnesota. They've always got running backs there. Bryce Williams has been there, I think, legitimately since 2018. He's been there for a while. Uh, Sean Tyler, the Western Michigan transfer. They've got Zach Evans, too, who was a prospect that they were really excited about. So they've got a stable of running backs for sure. And then Ethan Kaliak manis uh, I I'm proud that I spelled that first try. Didn't have to look at spell check or anything. <laughs> Nailed it. 888 all-purpose yards, eight touchdowns, six interceptions. He's had a bit of a, a rough go in the passing game as well. But again, it's Minnesota. They got hog mollies up front. Brian Callahan is one of the best O-line coaches in the country. A great recruiter there for the Gophers, too. Been with uh, the Fleck regime since the days in Kalamazoo. And they're always going to have running backs. Sebastian Castro, Joe Evans know fully what is on the table when they go up against the Gophers. Almost the same thing. Came, like the philosophy is the same. They want to win the ball, and uh, they want to oppose the will as well. So, uh, yeah. Does that help in preparation? Something familiar in the building you go up against now? I think it does. It should help. Sure. It should help. Um, it's something we see, so it should. It should help. They're really good at you know like the basic things like fundamentals. Um, just really good in the run game. Um, those guys are. They're huge. They're, they're massive dudes. I don't know what they're feeding them in Minnesota, to be honest with <laughs> Same you. Same thing here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But those guys have always been big ever since I've been here. Um, like two years I played. Um, I'm going to butcher his last name, Falele, which he was like 400 yeah. pounds. But, I mean, I feel like they just always keep plugging guys in there. So um, that'll be a challenge, just, you know, being good at our base fundamentals, just getting off blocks and, and being able to play the run. And so you didn't hear the question that I asked uh, – Seb to start, but it was basically, again, like we talked, Iowa and Minnesota's offense are trying to do really the same thing, control tempo, control the run game, and and work that time of possession. Uh, obviously, the defense for Iowa coming off maybe the best performance all around they've had all year uh, against Wisconsin, uh, knocked out Tanner Mordecai, really as much as you could. Uh, 
kept Braylon Allen as, as best in check as possible. I mean, Braylon got his every once in a while, but, you know, starting from that fourth down, uh, mm-hmm. attempted a conversion early in, and Cooper sniffed it out. I mean, I was coming in with a lot of momentum. Again, we got to see what uh, YA's situation is. We talked to Kelvin Bell on the, uh, the Wednesday uh, assistant coach Zoom interview and said the same thing. He didn't practice today, YA didn't, but uh, boy, coming off such a performance that he had, a Minnesota kid out of Marshall, you know he wants to be out there. But does Iowa feel confident going up against this Minnesota team coming in, uh, even as good as they can be? And again, Mo, Mo Ibrahim is not there anymore. And thank goodness because everything he did <laughs> last year, and I know Minnesota really felt like that was a game they had, mm-hmm. except for just a couple late turnovers because Iowa wasn't stopping Mo Ibrahim. I gave I gave Mike this trivia earlier. Did, did you tell Mitch what I said about the home? No, this nope. is a surprise. <laughs> surprise. Here it is. Do you know the last time that Minnesota beat Iowa at Kinnick? 99. Well, that was fun. Well, the only reason <laughs> I know that is because Fleck brought that up immediately. In his oh, really? It was, it was in the Minnesota game preview that they yeah. sent out, too. So. It's been a while, though. 1999. Kirk's first year was the last time Minnesota beat Iowa at Kinnick Stadium. That's that's crazy. I it's, mean. It's really, and there have been, I mean, listen, there's been some back and forth. There's been some really close games. There's been some blowouts on either side. I mean, the last Minnesota win in this series was 2014, and Minnesota won 51-14, just mm-hmm. wild. Um, Fleck also pointed out in his in his Monday uh, press availability that when people talk about um, playing complementary football, he believes Iowa does that better than anybody, not because it's like this perfect balance of offense, defense, special teams. He says it's essentially knowing what you're really good at and playing to those strengths, which I think for Iowa going into this, you've got that great defense. You've got we'll call it what it is, the best punter in the country in in Torrey Taylor. And if you know you can flip field position the way Iowa can and then have a stout defense and maybe get two, three scoring drives out of your offense, you're playing to your strengths and complementing each other well. Like maybe it's not perfectly balanced, but I think that's what Iowa and Minnesota both feel like they want to do. And it's just going to be, I think, whoever is able to find any sort of maybe big play on offense. And, and And Minnesota... They've still got Brevin Spanforty. Doesn't have the numbers that he has the last few years, but he's, I think, a six-year tight end for them. He probably came into the year. You'd probably, I would, would have ranked him above Lachey in terms of just best tight end of the Big Ten, mm-hmm. probably. The, I mean, they, uh, they've still got weapons. Daniel Jackson there as well. I think the difference of the game is going to be Cali McManus in a way, just like um, he's thrown six interceptions this year, been sacked eight times. I, I don't know. I could see them. Like, you know, this could be like a two or three pick game for him where they try to throw it a little bit, doesn't work. Um, with him piling up some sacks a little bit, Iowa's defense just continues to press in that backfield. Um, I think that's going to be. You know, I wonder if the defense is going to bring pressure like they did when Mordecai went out, mm-hmm. um, sure. just, to, just to try and speed that up and, get and make him make some mistakes back mm-hmm. there. Yeah. It really was effective, I thought. And obviously, they did, you know. I didn't think they blitzed as much when Mordecai was in there, so maybe it was more of, hey, this young kid's in, let's let's go after him. Mm-hmm. But I wonder yeah. like if they just start doing that, you know, and early on to see if he can make the mistakes. Cause I agree with you. If Kaliak Manis throws turns the ball over, then I don't see a way Iowa loses. But it, yeah. it does feel like more so I mean, we've seen the stats of Iowa when they get out to an eight point lead. Mm-hmm. I, I think whoever scores first has a massive advantage mm-hmm. in yeah. this game. Because again, either side is looking to just pound the ball and get out of town so it's uh 
again, that over-under just keeps dropping and dropping and dropping. <laughs> but it'll, it'll be fun. Hey, that was an entertaining 13-10 game last year <laughs> of Minneapolis. It was negative yeah. one wind chill, but it was, uh, it was a blast. Then you got the Minnesota defense, uh, which boasts one of the best safeties in the country in Tyler Newbin. But this is a team that, look, you can run a little bit on them. 138 yards a game, 10th in the Big Ten. Newbin, three interceptions, two in that opener against Nebraska, four PBUs, eight interceptions as a team. That's tied for second in the Big Ten. Cody Lindenberg, you haven't seen him in 2023, but he was an all-Big Ten linebacker in 2022. Same boat as Darius Taylor on the offensive side. Uh, Fleck basically says, hey, wait till 1230 and, and the – and the injury report coming in before Saturday's game. But he could be in line, and what a boost that would be to the defense for the Golden Gophers. Now, we talked a little bit about the wide receiver numbers and if they're even going to start becoming tight ends, at least in terms of route running. This has definitely become a unit that is making their hay more with sweeps and blocks rather than receptions. We talked to Mr. Sweep himself, Seth Anderson, yesterday just about that shift in kind of responsibilities and hang your hat on doing those things too rather than racking up numbers he says the the room is really embracing that not defining themselves from the statistical but more the win column that's what it is i mean you just got to do your job at the end of the day and if it's if it means go out there and block 20 snaps i mean you got to just go and do it because we winning so we got to just do whatever helps the team did you do a lot of that at charleston southern i'm guessing there was less run blocking yeah, there's definitely less of that, of course, but I mean, we here now. We six and one. We know we fighting for something. So six and one, we're fighting for something. And, and one of the 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 key moments that led me to asking him just about, I guess, wide receiver room morale is you had a great shot of it was that one with Eric smiling, uh, talking to Hayden Large, walking out the field in Camp Randall. But Seth walked behind, and Seth's just beaming. And Seth <laughs> strikes me as a super happy dude. But you can see Nico out there was happy. Deontay's happy. Caleb Brown was having a good time. As much as we made these predictions for what the passing game could be, should be, whatever that means, this does seem like a group that just says, all right, hey, we're winning, and what we're being asked to do is helping that win. We're not going to worry about what catches we have. Mm -hmm. And that kind of strikes me like that. Yeah, I mean, that's been such a big storyline that – uh, I don't think we would have predicted that storyline coming into the season as far as lack of wide we, receiver touches. We didn't. <laughs> but pretty wide. I think it all changes guilty. once Cade went out. But, really. like, I, sure, I feel like absolutely. if Cade's still in, yeah. maybe it's a different story. But at the same time, like when he was in, it, it, it there wasn't a lot. It was all the tight ends uh, yeah. then too. So, but, I mean, it, kudos to them because I feel like a college football D1 wide receiver um, – like if you're not getting that's touches. not every room yeah for it's sure not. yeah and and that's I asked him about that I said you know it'd be so easy for and you know it's just one guy who's asking for his his targets you know and that can just seep out through the whole room I I really genuinely believe and I don't think Seth's blown smoke in any way of they're just like yeah like we're we're winning we're six and one we're we're in pursuit of something special and guys are just and it probably helps having veterans like Nico and and Deontay in there just like listen this is what we have to do to to run the table and win the West, like we'll, we'll we'll block and sweep. We'll do whatever we have to. Certainly helps when you're six and one, and when you're you've already locked it, up a bull. Changes spot. everything I mean, for sure. Know, yeah, the, I do love to see that with those guys that they're supporting their teammates and they're happy, they're enjoying it, they're happy to set some blocks when when the team's winning. But you know, if 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 this team was three and four right now, you know, what would change what, a lot what, of stuff. Do winning, you think winning, though, like at the end of the day, if this team runs a the table, they're going to have to get the involved. At some point, because will they? I don't know. I, I just I said this <laughs> last week about the turnovers, and then it happened. And it's like 
I, if I am one of those opposing coaches, I just put nine guys in the box and be like, we're not going to let you run it. Beat us. I don't care if you beat us over the air. Like and Johnny Piscuzzi's going to come out yeah. there and toast you. You just you want Hayden Large to hit that wheel route, don't oh, you? They I did would. it against Iowa State. I would love Go that still. Like, dude, I mean, dude. I wouldn't be upset with that. Hayden, Hayden Large is going to have a touchdown at some point, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait. I'm hyped for that kid. All right, now to the time of the show where we really establish our expertise. <laughs> 17, 22, and 2 for me so far in our Big Ten picks. Oh, and 18, 21, and 2. Mike, the Mr. only one. 500. Yeah, look at, look at this guy <laughs> making fake money on his picks. 2019 and 2. We got a fun little slate across the Big Ten coming up this week. Maybe the game of the year so far, I, for my money. Fake money or not, it'd be the. I really want to watch this. This is gonna be. Yeah, I'm gonna watch. You do that on Fox 28. (laughs) Good, good plug, Michael. Number seven, Penn State, a four-point dog heading to the horseshoe to go up against number three, Ohio State. The winner, right there with Michigan in the Big Ten East race. This is gonna be a great one on Fox 28, 11 a.m. kickoff from Columbus. Who we got? I've heard this game is on Fox 28. Yeah, we haven't confirmed. Uh, boy, Kyle McCord's been great as Ohio State's quarterback. Oh, 11 touchdowns, just one interception thrown this year. Marvin Harrison Jr., um, I don't know if he's like, you know, maybe qu- not quite lived up to the hype. I felt like he was going to be maybe a Heisman finalist. I think he, he, it took McCord a little while to get, yeah. get yeah, going. Yeah, it really so did. He could be getting there, but I. Um, so wait, the plus four means Ohio State is a favorite. Is that yes. right? Okay. Um, I would definitely pick Penn State then. I, I think that Penn State could come out there and win this game. I mean, may, maybe I'm, I've just got black and gold colored glasses and the way that they, you know, whooped up on Iowa that Penn State just looks like such a college football playoff team. But um, I think that, yeah, this feels like a Penn State team that could uh, go undefeated. I think right that's fair. I think Ohio State struggled a little bit. They obviously, you know, missing C.J. Stroud this year. Kyle McCord, like you said, took a while for him to get – um, get you know settled in to what they're trying to do on offense. It it makes me pause that it's at the shoe, but I think Penn State, who really outside of Iowa, probably their best win so far, hasn't played one of those top tier teams in college football. So we'll, this is going to be like against UMass. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> covered a big way. Covered by like twenty two points or something. Boy, I think Penn State actually finally takes the monkey off the back. You How's know? West Virginia doing? Are they not good? They're so they're better than they they were supposed to be. Okay. They're probably I think they're a borderline bowl team this year. Yeah. I just realized I'd be tied with Owen in the in the picks if I didn't have UMass oh. plus forty two and nine. <laughs> 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 had to try to be a hero. Uh, speaking of trying to be a hero, I'm gonna take Penn State plus four as well. I this is gonna be a really good game. I I think they'll keep it within a field goal. I don't mm-hmm. know if they win or not. I, they were my pick to win the East at, at the very beginning of the season. I expected them to run the table. Uh, Ohio State's on the upturn, Penn, Penn State hasn't done anything to, to not deserve to. I mean, they're on the same trajectory. Drew Aller's been great. But seeing what Drew Aller, and granted it was at home, but what he did against Iowa's defense, just taking what's given against a, a, a veteran Ohio State defense, still I I trust the Nittany Lions to go in there and maybe change the narrative of what they've – I mean, they've been the best third-place team in college football uh-huh. for, for years now because of Michigan and Ohio State. I think this is a big step for them getting over the hump just because Ohio State's a little banged up too. They were banged up last week and maybe not back to 100%. Penn State's been rolling, so let's see if James Franklin and company get over the hump. Rutgers, a five-point favorite, heading to Bloomington to take on Indiana. Rutgers had the big comeback against Michigan State last week. Indiana has just been uh, struggling so far in 2023. 
Um, yeah, in, Indiana, boy, these guys cannot find a way to stop anybody uh, offensively. Um, 52 points given up to Michigan in the last game, 44 before that, 27 they gave up in a win against Akron. Um, Rutgers is starting to feel more and more like, boy, that's a team that a could team. come in and beat Iowa at Kinnick. I mean, They're that's a good team. really good Rutgers team. And so, um, gosh, just – Five points they're favored by. You don't just go into Bloomington and get wins. You do go into Bloomington. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, definitely Rutgers. When Owen doesn't like a team, (laughs) he will scorch earth that team. Just probably going to put Rutgers in there for you. (laughs) I'm going to go with Rutgers too. It's more so Indiana. I think Rutgers is somewhat, I don't want to call them Paper Tiger because they have got some, you know, I don't even know if I would call these wins impressive, but. the the win the coming the come from behind aspect of their win last week was impressive. Really, I, I mean they played bad in that against first Michigan half. Michigan State, yeah, they, uh, they turned it around. I mean that's a that's a team that doesn't blink when they have a bad half. Yeah. So mm-hmm. save that Rutgers minus five as well. Wisconsin coming off the loss of not just the game to Iowa but their quarterback sounds like Tanner Mordecai will be out for a while. They hit the road to Kaysen Frerichs, Illinois fighting Illini two and a half point dogs though at home the Illini are to the Badgers. It's a 2.30 kick on FS1. Rutgers, Indiana, if you want to flip between that. And Penn State and Ohio State on Fox 28. That's an 11 a.m. <laughs> kick on BTN. But FS1 for the Badgers and Illini. Mike, Mike go ahead. Yeah, I this I went back and forth on this just because Mordecai is out. And I think if Mordecai was healthy, the spread would be closer to 7, maybe 8. Um, I still think uh, I didn't hate what I saw from, from Locke last week. Um, and I don't have that much faith in Illinois. So I think Wisconsin still still wins the game. All right, we got to get Kaysen. K- Kaysen, what do you think? You like Illinois this weekend? We're live. Oh, tough game, man. <laughs> he says it's a I tough game. After Maryland, but yeah. I think they'll lose probably. All right. The, the Illini fans will lose. I think they'll All right. So Kaysen's wow. got the Illini plus two and a half. That's uh, a bold take. I am definitely <laughs> going the route of Wisconsin in this one, especially with. Uh, I'm really surprised at that spread. Two, uh, two and a half seems like a pretty narrow margin. But um, did you not see the fortitude of the Illini last week? <laughs> Luke Altmyer's thrown eight touchdowns and nine interceptions this boy, year. If boy, Altmyer, that guy talk to Cation about if Altmyer doesn't throw interceptions, man, he'd be, he'd be something. <laughs> I, we still cannot figure this Illinois team out. I mean, I feel like we've been trying all year to see like what the hell is this Illinois team and why can't we figure out when they're going to win or lose, but. This week, I'm, I'm going Wisconsin. I'm going to take a swing. I'm going to take the line. I, I, I think go. the Mordecai loss is big. I, again, same thing. Braylon Allen was getting beat up in that Iowa game, and I don't That's know true. If, if he's not 100%. I think maybe Altmaier cleans it up this week, and I'll, I'll, I'll stick with Case and, and, and his Illini, even though he didn't actually go there. <laughs> Anyways, Northwestern heads to Nebraska. The Wildcats, an 11-point dog in Lincoln, 230 kick on BTN. I... <laughs> this one's tough only it because is. Northwestern has some sneaky, like surprising always results do. all week, always all year. Do. They've be- uh, almost lost to was it was a Wagner a couple weeks ago or Howard? I mean, Howard. Howard yeah. yeah. Um, they beat Minnesota, which I watched the end of that game, and I'm just like, what is ben happening Brian right now? One at the end of that game. Um, they always seem to play Nebraska tough. I think they'll cover, but I think Nebraska wins by like six or seven. Sure. How do you guys feel about Heinrich Harburg? He's big, a big Heinrich Harburg fan out of, he's, out of Kearney, Nebraska. He's a hard-nosed kid. Yeah. I mean, they've, they're a team that's also not going to throw it a whole heck of a lot, but he's a big throw on the ground. Well, uh, with an 11-point spread, I think I'm going Northwestern. I think that they could keep that one tight. And, I mean, it, it's just to the point of the year where Nebraska starts 
you know, Nebraska fans really start feeling like, all right, we've got something going. Matt, Matt Rule's going to turn this team around, and then they just lose to Northwestern. So I'm feeling the Wildcats. <sighs> this is a tough one because I, I think this could either be – man, I'm going to take Northwest, or, uh, Nebraska to cover. Mm-mm. I think – I don't think it'll be pretty necessarily. I think this could be like a you know, two-touchdown win, and it might, yeah. might be a late one to, to seal it, but – Man, we said play. at the beginning of the year, Nebraska's going to maybe start getting things together, and they've got their quarterback this now. It could be an important one for them to get to a bowl for the first time big, in a while. one there, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I'll, uh, I like Northwestern. Uh, it's fun to see them 3-3 three and three, uh, under Ryan Braun, uh, former uh, UNI assistant, but there we go. Uh, we'll get to the other 2.30 game of, of importance here in a bit, but 6.30 kick on NBC Michigan, a 24-point favorite, the second-ranked Wolverines, as they head to play for the Paul Bunyan Trophy in East Lansing against Michigan State. Michigan has scored no fewer than 30 points in a game at all this year. Um, Their lowest output was in their season opener against ECU. Um, 52 points in each of their last two games against Indiana and Minnesota. Um, Boy, Michigan is picking up steam. As much as I kind of doubted their abilities in the preseason with Harbaugh coming off, you know, missing their first few games, uh, J.J. McCarthy's been great. Blake Corum, you know, gosh, 12 rushing touchdowns Corum's already got this year. Man, that kid's good. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going uh, Michigan to really run wild. Um, you know what? I was going to go Michigan just to, you know, to, to your point, like they've just been wild this year with uh, the amount of points they've been scoring. I think this one is going to be, I have no real analysis other than college football is going to happen. I think it's going to be like a 20-point win. That's so an I think excellent Michigan, analysis, yeah. though. <laughs> Dude, it's, Sources tell me. You know, it, it's the old adage that kind of gets a little rivalry. tired. It's true. Like, rivalries are weird, man. Especially that, having covered that one a few times, that's mm-hmm. one where just like anything can, you know, Rocky Lombardi led a good Spartans team over a really good Michigan team that one year where, he, I mean, it was just like streak patterns over and over and over and just threw bombs and... Uh, it, it paid off, so it's even if it's forty-five to twenty-two. It's, it's a rivalry where anything can happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Having said all that, I'm taking Michigan to cover because Michigan, as as Joel Klatt has described them, is a boa constrictor, and they just look like they do what they want mm-hmm. when they want. Um, Minnesota helped a little bit with the two pick sixes, but that's they are just as, as good a team in America as anybody. I think if uh, if Ohio State beats Penn State, I might like Ohio State a little bit more than Michigan in the East, but still like. Hmm. Michigan looks so good. But we turn our attention back finally to Iowa City. The Hawkeyes, a three-and-a-half-point favorite over Minnesota. 2.30 kick on NBC. Iowa trying to win for the eighth ninth, straight? Ninth straight. Ninth straight time in the rivalry. Yeah. As I had to break the news to Sebastian Castro. That <laughs> I was like, your senior class hasn't, uh, hasn't lost to Minnesota. He goes, Oh, I thought you meant like over their coaching regime there. Like, oh, that too. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so who we got in this gotcha. one? Hawkeyes. I think this opened at six and a half on FanDuel and has dropped to three and a half. So that, yeah, I think a lot of that had to do with just I don't see many points out of this, you know. I think Iowa could cover easily a six-point spread and it go under, under 30 points, you know. Mm-hmm. Iowa, though, I mean, I, I just don't have that much faith in Minnesota. I mean, you look at their wins, and I think Owen, you said in the in the Eye on the Hawks broadcast, which airs on Thursday, there's they have only beat one Power Five team. Obviously, they play a tough schedule. UNC on the road, yeah. Michigan at home, which Michigan's one of the 
best teams in the country. Yeah, that weird blasted by those two. Nebraska's our only Power Five win this year. Yeah, got beat by Northwestern, who hasn't really shown much this year. Um, beat Eastern or Eastern Michigan, and then uh, yeah, that Louisiana. I I feel bad framing it like this. Louisiana has a great quarterback who's a true freshman, mm-hmm. and we just live in an age now where I watch him like, boy, he's going to get offered some sort of yeah. NIL deal for a Power mm-hmm. Five school. I, I hope for his sake he stays in Louisiana because that'd be awesome to see a, a group of five rise. But that's their other win, and they they, they had uh, a little little bit of a struggle against the Raging Cajuns. Yeah. So unless you know the Hawkeyes go turnover happy, which they're not a team like that, unless there's a couple of fluke, fluke fumbles, I, I see Iowa covering this. <laughs> Um, I am inclined to agree, I think, um, that that is a very narrow margin. Um, but uh, honestly, one of the biggest things that um, kind of seals it for me is, again, just looking at that run of games that I was won against Minnesota um, at Kinnick for consecutive years, however many that's been since 1999. Um, that's a pretty impressive run. Like Minnesota just, you just don't walk into Kinnick, as some might say. Um, yeah, even though I think in the preseason I predicted Minnesota to beat Iowa, um, the way that Minnesota's played overall the first half of the season, I think I like Iowa to win by, um, by a little bit. Actually, I'm sorry. I do like Iowa to win. I Iowa do, by I'm going to take Minnesota, though, to keep it within three and a half. Sorry. Yeah, I think all these, these wins the last few years at Kinnick for Iowa, I believe, have been one-score games. 21, I think it was something like, wasn't it 28-22? I could look it up. I have a computer here. Yeah. Um, but I know 2019 was like 23-19 to 19 when Minnesota came in undefeated off that that Penn State win. And then 2017 was uh, 14-7. Noah Fant had the long catch mm-hmm. from, uh, from Nate Stanley there. 2021, Iowa, Minnesota. People have already looked it up probably if they want to. Yeah, 27-22, um, which that was the one where Keegan Johnson, like, caught the screen pass and, like, spun out of a tackle and went for a score. Alex Padilla and started it, that game, I believe. Yeah, yeah he did. Um, <laughs> Charlie Jones had the 75-yard touchdown, so don't say Charlie Jones wasn't part of the passing game in Iowa. He was Big Ten returner of the year, folks. He was was that his 100-yard game? That might have been. Charlie was the last Iowa receiver with the 100-yard receiving yeah, game. Yeah, that's probably what, because he had that long catch, too, where, like, he laid out for one to set up Iowa in the red zone. Yeah. They probably got a field goal out of that. Huh. Um, or maybe that was Padilla's rushing touchdown. I was there. That's the only reason I remember all this. Uh Minnesota wants to win this game so bad. I know it, and I know they play close. I think it stays a one-score game, but I think it's going to be four or six or something like that, so I'm going to take Iowa to cover. Um, mm. It's going to be a heck of a game. It, it's going to be, it, boy, if you like throwback, hit him in the mouth football and, and all the cliches that come with all that in the old Big Ten, I, I think you're going to get it. I do think there might be whether it's on defense, but I think Iowa will have some big play at some point, whether it's a pick six or a fumble recovery or a punt return touchdown, or maybe maybe Deacon airs, airs one out and hits, uh, hits Seth or Nico or somebody like that. I just feel like the narrative is too much about how it's just going to be three yards cloud of dust or whatever just within the trenches. I feel like, and it could happen on Minnesota's side too. They got some home run threats of just somebody's going to make a big play that's akin to LeSean ripping off one for 82 yards, and that, that might stand as the, as the cornerstone for whoever wins this game. There was a great uh, line I heard in a podcast once that um, you can get a sense of what it feels like to be a ghost um, when you're listening to a podcast and the hosts get a piece of trivia wrong that you know, and you're like shouting, no, it's that, but they can't hear you. They're never going to learn. And that's why Mitch looks up the information on his computer. It's, that's yeah. why it's helpful to have Oh, I was like, did I get something wrong? <laughs> no, I mean, Wait, I, heart as, was dropping out of my As mind. you were looking that up, I'm like, I, if people are shouting at their podcast right now, I'm like, that's, 
Yeah, yeah that, that's what this year piece is, is just hearing everybody's, <laughs> everybody's comments typed out uh, in AI. Preseason, do you recall, I, I know, again, I picked Minnesota to be Iowa in the preseason. Did one of you as well pick? I did not. You, I didn't. I picked Illinois to beat Iowa, which I'm really okay. reconsidering right now. Mm. Hey, they, they play them every week because it's fun to find out just how well, exactly uh, things go. Perhaps next week we're going to have our... I think for the bye week, yeah, we'll... Mid-season bye week stuff, we'll recap some of those preseason picks. See how, how smart we were and how not smart we was. So what a fun journey that'll be. Of course, we'll be back here Sunday at noon to recap the battle for the Florida Rosedale and everything else around the Big Ten. So again, that'll be the live stream up on YouTube, on the Iowa News Now YouTube page. Of course, so we'll also be able to have the... Uh, the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts just all the stuff there it's uh game eight you should know all this by now but we'll keep plugging it we're nice <laughs> like that we will see you sunday here on eye on the hawks for mike and owen i'm mitch catch you then